What's up, guys? My name is Barn Saunders, and you're listening to the Sunday Recovery Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. And on this podcast, we will be talking about recovery in the broadest, most general sense possible. Recovery is so much more than just getting over something. Whether that be drugs, loss, physical injury, or mental health, the principles of recovery can be applied to all areas of life. And in this podcast, we're going to be focusing on everything and anything that can cause struggles in life or cause great success in life, and how to navigate through the good and the bad times, as well as getting on the path of recovery from any and all setbacks or choices that may have led you down the wrong path. Another thing I want to emphasize is recovery is a constant progression forward. And what that means is recovery doesn't ever end. You can recover from something and then always fall right back to where you were. That's why in recovery, and especially here on the Sunday Recovery Podcast, you won't hear us talk about how to recover and be finished. Recovery is always pushing forward and striving for betterment, even when the original reason for starting recovery is no longer a factor in your daily life. But yes, sir. So we're on. What's up, Nate? Hey, Barnes. How's it going? It's going great, man. Appreciate you coming in of today. Of course, dude. man. I'm excited you asked me. A little nervous, but it's uh, uh, don't be nervous. Cool better. to do a podcast for sure. Hell yeah! Is this the first time you've done one? Yeah, yeah. Always. Uh, you know, in college, I was always like, man, I'll st- I should start a podcast. I have so much, you know, I'll pass on my <laughs> my wisdom and thoughts to the masses. Yeah. Dude, me too, man. <laughs> I, uh, I I remember I talked about uh, starting this for months and months yeah. and months before I finally. You know, I finally was just like, look, it's not going to happen unless I start it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, for a while there, man, I try and uh, try and plan out a date. Um, and, you know, like my first uh, co-host, my buddy Josh. Yeah. You know, we like I would have to rain check, then he would have to rain check. Yeah. You know, yeah. we kept rescheduling, trying to find a day and a time that would work. Um, and I was finally just like, look, man, I've been, I've been talking about this for a while. So I got to got to just do it. Um, yeah, man. And I was excited, too, because I love podcasts, you know, for oh, yeah. You know, so much of kind of, you know, even like going through school and like, I don't know, I feel like so much of what I learned has been through podcasts, you know, Same like, the, you know, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History was the first one I ever listened to. Man, that it's just like know. opened a whole world of interest for me. It's like I absorb information so well when it's oh, yeah. presented orally that way, you know, and just like, and now in recovery, you know, I... I, I kind of go through phases with it, but I listen to a ton of recovery podcasts. You could say, like, man, if I'm feeling squirrely, I know I can just pop one of those things on. You know, if I have a long drive and I'm feeling nope. anxious and just hear, like, some nope. guy who I've never heard of before, you know, so, you know, some of them are fucking hilarious. Some of them are <laughs> just, like, so profound. I'll be, like, in tears by the end of the drive. But, yeah, man. You know, like, I've had days, especially, like, in my first year where I would listen to five or six of those bad boys in a day. Hell yeah. Like just to get me through and just have it, you know, that and, and reading the literature has been such a big force in my recovery. Oh, so yeah. I'm definitely happy to give back in that way. Dude, I'm, I'm more than happy to have you come on, man. I really appreciate it, dude. Yeah. I'm grateful. Um, it's about time we had you come yeah, on, dude. Yeah. But yeah, man, so I'm, ex- uh, you know, I'm ex- super excited to hear your story, man. Share a little bit about, uh, you know, what it was like for you in active addiction, how you found recovery. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll get into, get into the conversation, man. We'll yeah. see where it goes. Yeah. You know, so it was, I don't know. I always kind of, I always kind of go back to think about the first time, you know, when I was like in middle school, I remember kind of being exposed to drug, you know, in the way that like middle schoolers are where like somebody's like, 
put nail polish on their fingernails and huffing it during <laughs> class. Um, like, you know, I had some kid come up to me in elementary school be like, hey, hey man, I heard, you, I heard if you sniff this, it was like that nasty, I don't know what it was called, it was like the nasty, I don't think they make it anymore, it was like that nasty toxic paper cement or something. Oh, damn, um, like some rubber glue? Yeah, rubber glue. And he, <laughs> he was like, if you sniff this, it fucks you up. And I was like, oh, holy yeah. shit. You know, this was a, like a bougie Montessori elementary school. Um, <laughs> and I remember having this this kind of almost worry that medications and drugs, like I didn't quite believe that they could change how I felt. And like there was a little bit of enticing interest in them, you know. Um, there was something, I was always kind of curious about it because I always, I, I so often from a very young age felt just not quite right. You know, I didn't feel comfortable. I was kind of, you know, irritable, you know, discontent, self-centered, unhappy a lot of the times, you know. I didn't have a difficult childhood by any means. You know, I I come from a pretty wealthy family, really, you know, really kind of warm, wonderful family. You know, my mom and I have been super close. You know, I, I was, because of kind of the class situation and just the way things worked in that social class, I was raised by babysitters a lot of the time. You know, my mm. parents, my mom was home when I was a baby for a while, but, you know, most of my, like, parental and maternal figures were babysitters and the boyfriends of babysitters, you know? Like, I learned how to, all the music that I listened to today um, was shaped by these, these nannies that we had, man. It would be, like, 23-year-old white girl listening to... <laughs> Really? <laughs> listening to like green day and the killers and shit and like that really had an impact on me um but my, you know and my dad was great but i think as i as i grew a little bit older he didn't quite know how to deal with a teenager you know and i was rebellious and i got diagnosed with adhd um and you know interestingly enough I, they prescribed me the medications and I was so, I didn't quite believe that there was something actually wrong with me. I just thought I was like a lazy piece of shit. Like that was my self-conception of myself. I'm like, mm. it's nothing wrong with me. I don't need medication. I'm just lazy. And like, and, but I couldn't figure out how to, you know, and this, this feeling really later tracked into the feeling I had with addiction. Like I, I remember every day I'd go to bed and be full of shame and be like, okay, tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to do my homework like a regular person, you know? I'm going to, you know, take my notes in class. I'm going to organize my papers. And then I'd wake up and it'd feel like I changed my mind, you know, and I, I was powerless to make that change on my own. And, you know, that really tracked throughout my life. And I kind of eventually figured out, you know, I eventually figured out, like, okay, maybe I need to try this treatment. And the medication did start to work for me. Um, and it wasn't something I abused. It wasn't something that I found. It didn't, it didn't, do anything for me that you know not that i didn't experiment you know listen, once i got diagnosed well see maybe, maybe you take six of these you get, you get feeling pretty crazy but right right um you know the first real experience with drugs that i had you know my dad had given me sips of beer throughout the time and i wasn't you know wasn't that interested in it um and probably junior year of high school so i must have been like 15 my buddy um who i was real close with brought some weed back from guatemala he was guatemalan and kind of convinced me to start this and i was kind of horrified and shocked but i said yeah what the hell um and 
man, I coughed so much. I like, we woke up as parents and we got caught the next day. And it was a big thing. Cause we were like <laughs> smoking out of one of those fucking, uh, it was like an apple with a pen stuck uh, in it. Yep. It was in tinfoil contraption. And I was just <laughs> coughing so badly. And his dad, well, you know, like, of course the smoke was wafting right up from the windowsill into oh, his dad's window. Um, you know, and the thing I always share in meetings now, like the thing going back and looking, you know, there was that, you know, I don't know too much, you know, and even, even from kind of the scientific, you know, I'm a psychologist. So, you know, even from the kind of academic clinical side of it, you know, I don't really know if it was in me the whole time, but, you know, I think that I had the predisposition, you know, it was mm. in me and then it got activated. You know, this, this is the case for schizophrenia and things, you know, you have this genetic kind of temperamental predisposition and then if you have enough trauma or if you have the right things happen in your life it activates that and for me you know i was you know maybe if i hadn't smoked i would have kind of gone on but eventually i would encountered something else but i think as soon as i took that puff of weed you know i got this feeling of holy shit you know whoa i feel okay like i feel pretty good mm. you know and we <laughs> And we were idiots, you know, we had a fucking blast, you know, we like put on, you know, trippy music and like, you know, back when you could get so high, you like, were like tripping on weed, you know, I bet you can, I bet you can, but like there's something, something about those first couple times you do it where yeah, you just, and like totally. you're young enough to just act like silly motherfuckers. Like we put blankets on our heads and had pulled pool cues dancing around like shamans <laughs> like having some spiritual ritual i mean you know we'd go run around the woods and um you know we'd go like we were i grew up in boulder colorado so we had you know weed was pretty available and you know we had some pretty good times we really did i you know i look back fondly on some of those memories but you know the thing that i always share at meetings was that me and my buddies the two of us who you know so there, there were three um i shouldn't share their names but the three of us who were smoking together um two of us smoked and it was and that thing clicked man that thing clicked where we needed it and then mm. every time after that the hanging out became about smoking about getting weed about getting and then right. eventually that shifted into other drugs right and my other friend, he could take it or leave it in a way that I could not understand. You know, he liked it. You know, he had a good time doing it. He'd like help us, you know, he'd buy weed sometimes, you know, but it was it was kind of an addendum or like something to enhance the activities. You know, we'd go rock. It's like, hey, man, let's go rock climbing and, you know, smoke a bowl at the top. And I'd be like, OK, we got to make sure we have the weed. Yeah. You know, like, let's yeah. make sure, like, the activity centered around the weed. You know, hanging out with people, and it was sad because hanging out with people. And this was a, a trend that persisted and, and kind of infected my friendship, especially with the one other guy who, you know, has also turned to be turned out to be an addict and who is now, you know, he's not in recovery and he's really struggling. And he is, you know, I, I really feel... For him and i'm afraid that he's never going to have the humility to admit he has yeah. a it's problem hard, you know and you know my other friend you know he's not an addict and he can still smoke a bowl every once in a while I'm like there was something in me that when i smoked that first one i could not have a second one you know we got so high that night and 
within a month it was a daily habit and i could mm. not figure out how to stop and it was pretty scary you know i couldn't figure out how to stop and i was so scared of getting of getting caught and that it was just it was this terrible vicious cycle of you know building in this anxiety of me of just being terrified of getting caught and the consequences of that what would happen i was at this you know fancy college prep school in colorado and they had a very strict no drug policy you know my parents had a very strict no drug policy and i just lived in terror of being caught and that made my you know experience using not all that exciting right it was just it was just like I needed to do this thing and I didn't know why, but I did get something out of it. I got a sense of peace and connectivity with the world, you know, and now I think back on that and it's like that was filling in a partial and inefficient way. It was filling the spiritual hole that had been to the, that had been in there the whole time. You know, it was giving me that sense of, of oneness and peace and it became more and more elusive the more and more I smoked, right? Yeah. You know, it became more and more elusive and eventually I would get, you know, it was like nine out of 10 times I was anxious and paranoid and one out of 10 times I got that kind of spiritual okay. well-being. And eventually it just, you know, eventually I lost that and I moved to college, you know, but along the way, you know, my parents caught me and of course, of course, you know, <laughs> I was nowhere near as sneaky as I thought I was being right. Um, they caught me and, you know they were like okay look like we're gonna drug test you you're gonna do hair tests so you know those hair tests yeah, man serious. they can get you like three months after um and i remember going back to my room and i somehow convinced them not to tell my friend's parents i somehow could like save my friends from getting caught at the same time but after that you know even in that i was i was self-centered i was just worried about losing my friends and that they would be mad at me that would be my fault you know this mm -hmm. that self-centeredness that you come to see later in the steps um you know was so baked in there you know but also it was so it's like my adolescent mind you know i remember going back and sitting on my bed and trying to think through what to do next and it did not occur to me that i could just stop that that, that would be you know what is the solution to living in terror you know trying to i was like maybe i can just shave my head as if that's not gonna be fucking suspicious Damn. <laughs> you know maybe i'll maybe oh, to, i'll go join the, the hair yeah, test, the hair oh, test. Man, maybe i'll just join the military which would have been you know yeah, yeah you know and I, I i could not stop and i went out the next day and bought more weed and continued to smoke and i i mm. found clever ways to avoid the tests you know i I used my, I was, I was smart. I, you know, I was smart and people saw that in me. I was kind of the, you hear other people talk about this in recovery, kind of a victim of potential, you know, I had this potential and was, had all these resources directed at me and I could not figure out how to manifest it, you know? And, you know, after I, I went off to college and things kind of developed, you know, and I was able to grow a bit and I was able to stop smoking weed, but, um, you know, but the really, first, you were able to stop smoking yeah, in college? Yeah, I was. Wow. You know, mostly because smoking it became too painful. The anxiety was too much. Mm -hmm. I never would have stopped if it kept. Where'd doing. you go to undergrad? Uh, Ithaca College okay. in New York. Yeah, right. yeah. It was a bit of a party school, but it was good. Yeah, I've, I've heard um, of it. And my first year, I partied hard. You know, I, I met that college girlfriend who I thought was, you know, we like took ecstasy together first date and fell in love, and that you know, deal. talking about kids and shit. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those. <laughs> 
Um, just fell madly in love with this girl who was also, you know, had her own mental problems. Was also clearly, you know, I don't, you know, I'm hesitant to diagnose people, but um, she was, you know, behaving in just as addictive ways mm. as I was at the time. We really enabled each other, and um, you know, got into some crazy stuff, you know. And this this relationship was just built on was just built on fantasy, right? You know, we would take ecstasy together. And feel this intense, like deep love, but it wasn't real, man. Like that, it you know what those drugs do is they stimulate the center in your brain that is that is meant there to detect those actual situations. You know, like when when you find that kind of real deep love, those you know those neural pathways get lit up, those neural pathways get activated, and you're just activating them with those drugs, like on the back end, someone pushing the button, and you know, I became convinced that I could only get, you know, that that deep, powerful, like, just intense infatuation. Like, that was, I had to have it. And, you know, and that relationship became one of my drugs. I was, I was so obsessed with it. I became so clingy. It was, it was really, mm. really difficult. And, you know, and it's hard to say kind of when, you know, it seems like through my life there were points where, I could kind of come back from the brink, like with the weed, like I couldn't stop. And then something, you know, I'd like kind of did a geographical one up to college, got away from my parents, you know, and then stopped and, you know, would kind of party and drink, but it was never, you know, it was never kind of daily drinking. But, but let me say once I, when I went to a party and I put that first drink into me, you had no idea where I was going to wake up in the morning. Like it got, you know, I can relate to that. I, you know, all kinds of crazy shit. And, mm. You know, I think that the drinking never really got out of control for me just because, you know, because I have these psychiatric problems like anxiety and ADHD and some tendencies toward depression, um, it had a really rough effect on me. Like the hangovers were so bad, it was, it didn't, it really motivated me to avoid the hangovers. And probably after the first year, I was, I was not really drinking too heavily. Um, And you know, eventually I kind of got to this point of, of growth and got into therapy and, you know, was doing fairly well. Um, probably senior year of college, I met the girl who's currently my wife. I was, you know, I used a couple times throughout that year, but I was living, you know, kind of a happy, sober life. And, you know, the two of us got together. I moved back home to Colorado to um, to work in a lab and we did a year and a half of long distance, Sarah and I. Oh, wow. Um, which was tough, but... You know, yeah, I was, I was gonna ask, what was that like? You know, it was. T- I was so scared to do it because I had this this girl that I was dating um, in college. When I would I would just be a fucking disaster when we were apart. You know, like those yeah. one week vacations where like she goes yeah. back to see her family, and yeah. I'm like fucking. Like every time she doesn't text back, I'm like she's dead. Why does she hate? Like, and it was I was an anxious wreck, and I went to like a couple years of therapy to deal with that, yeah. and. You know, it, I was so scared to do the same with Sarah, but I kind of, you know, I kind of was able to, you know, before I really put it in this language, I was kind of able to develop a sense of faith of like, I will be okay no matter what happens, you know. I really like this girl, but it's not going to be the end of the world if this doesn't work out. And, you know, and, and like now looking back, I kind of see the starts of where an informal 
faith came into my life um, that I've now been able, that I lost very seriously during my bad years of active addiction and was kind of reawakened, you know, now through recovery. But, you know, that, that kind of, you know, it's been interesting now to see that kind of faith in God or in the universe or whatever, you know, th that was present a lot throughout my life. You know, I would pray. This is kind of a jump ahead. But, <laughs> no worries, um, but... But I don't know. I feel like it kind of links. Like I was sharing at a meeting the other day. I, I would pray. You know, my, so I was raised, raised Lutheran. And then my dad kind of... My dad was always pretty atheistic. And then eventually we got to the age where my mom would say like, hey, do you want to keep going to church? And I said like, no. Because, you know, I kind of thought through it. And I'm like, what are the chances that this church... And it's specific dogmas out of all of the churches in the world. You know, I was a smart little kid. I, you know, I knew <laughs> the statistics. Like, what are the chances right. that we happen to get the right one? Yeah. Um, but I didn't necessarily lose my faith in the fact that there is a God and something. You know, I, even though intellectually I kind of dispelled it and you know went through my my atheist college phase. Um, you know, I began to. You know, there was that something in me whenever I was desperate to go right to praying. You know, mm -hmm. whenever something happened that had been desperate to happen, I'd, it was like almost immediately to, and just thank God, thank you God, thank you Jesus. Um, wow. You know, it's interesting. I, I didn't think about it much, and I kind of am noticing it now as I'm trying as mm -hmm. I'm trying more explicitly to build prayer and faith into my life. But it was yeah. it was there. You know, it is interesting. I think thinking back, man, I rarely, very rarely prayed. Um, before I found recovery and, yeah. and before I found, you know, like a new, new sense and, and new, uh, you know, came to believe in, in a yeah. higher power of my own understanding. Yeah. Um, I, I remember praying as a little kid. Um, you know, I remember praying probably up until I was like 12 or 13. Um, that's when my atheist phase started. Cause I too was a smart yeah. ass kid. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, it's a, uh, we could go down a whole, uh, whole separate track here, but you know, to make a long story short, I I uh, was raised um, Episcopalian Christian, okay, yeah. and uh, you know I had I I was like twelve or thirteen, and it was time for uh, confirmation. Mm. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So yeah, my wife's Catholic now. Okay. So kind of in the uh, Wait, yeah, the yeah. My my girlfriend's Catholic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now, dude, I just remember being uh, such a smart ass kid, like yeah. thinking I was hot shit, like yeah. you know, asking the asking the priest, um, you know, those contradictory oh, yeah, uh, oxymoron type questions, yeah. you know, like asking him, like, yeah, man, so if I'm gonna go through this confirmation thing, uh, you know, I'm gonna need you to answer a couple of these questions yeah. for me, you know, you know, if God is, uh, if your God is omnipotent, you know, He's all powerful, all knowing, and omnibenevolent, you know, all good, you know. I, re I remember asking him, can he, can he make a boulder that's so big that he can't lift it? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, and that's like just one example yeah, of like yeah, the smart yeah. ass type of questions that I would ask. Um, you know, and I, I remember just getting hit with, uh, you know, God exists outside of our understanding of mm. logic. Um, and to me as a smart ass little kid, I was like, all right, cool. That's BS. Like, yeah, I'm going to go play soccer on Sundays with my dad instead of go to church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and that was like that was like when I was thirteen, and I really, uh, I really didn't didn't pray much at all after that, until yeah. yeah. so I found recovery, until so I came to a new understanding of a higher power. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I, I don't know, man. It's got me thinking about like I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what the kind of dark years of active addiction were. I mean, there were no, there were nothing 
you know, more than I think anybody who's been through a bottom mm -hmm. is, you know, and it was nothing particularly severe, but I had, you know, I was in graduate school and the pandemic hit and I had kind of getting in, you know, the stress of getting into graduate school and moving to a new city with my, you know, new fiance, um, started to creep in and the using started to get a little bit more problematic, but was still very manageable. And then when the pandemic hit, it just got out of control, you know, and that, mm -hmm. that got to the point where I could not stop. And when I could manage to stop, like through, you know, or, or more likely when I was forced to stop through running out of a certain medication that I was taking every day, you know, I had this conception of what addiction was at the time, which was, it was dependency, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I'm taking tramadol every day um twice a day and i can't stop taking tramadol i'm addicted to tramadol once i got off the tramadol problem solved mm. the perplexing part was i'd start again every yeah. time every time i'd start again and that got really scary because i couldn't figure out what was wrong with me mm. and you know what, what is tramadol again is it a benzo opioid? yeah it, it's kind of a semi-opioid um okay. you know I've, it's often I've used as a muscle before, relaxer like, uh yeah that's right you know i i, yeah. I had access to to weird shit you know i in grad know, school? Like a, yeah in grad school you know mostly through friends um you know this friend that introduced me to weed he um you know and i worked in the neurobiology lab at cu so i like right. you know i knew some of the chemistry phd students i knew some of the you know, but also my friend, you know, who had a lot of contacts in Guatemala, you know, he was smartest dude I've ever met, no questions. Um, mm. Like, hands down, smartest guy I've ever met, and it, it didn't save him. You know, and it, it's been yeah. kind of, it's been kind of hard to realize, I always looked up to this guy. You know, he was like my hero. He always seemed to have it all together. He had better grades than me. You know, he was, he got more girls than me, you know, and he, I kind of followed him into this drug life and, you know, he made a hobby of it. He really did. Um, you know, he got onto steroids. He got, he was like turning himself into a walking, you know, neurobiology. Yeah. Like he was <laughs> the amount of stuff he was putting in his body. And like, it, it took me way too long to realize that mm -hmm. this guy does not have it together. He does not know what he was doing but through him and through kind of other contacts i you know i i was able to get the kinds of things that i need that would not put me in legal trouble you know mm -hmm. i i don't have so much as a you know unpaid parking ticket on my legal record and i'm so oh, grateful wow. for that speeding ticket no <laughs> you don't have a single speeding ticket that's the thing man like i was a, i was a shy like orderly law-abiding addict i just wanted to stay at home and not out and play video games mm. that's my dream in life like I that see. was i you know i was so i was so anxious yeah. and so uncomfortable in the world um for my whole life and during the pandemic it was just i could not just sit and be with myself i needed to feel differently mm. you know and i i found it very hard to work too you know to and i had patience to see and i was you know I was medicating myself to get myself into a position where I could perform my best because I was in a very competitive graduate school environment and a lot of people depending on me. And it was working very well until it stopped working. You know, mm -hmm. I was I was medicating myself. And then at some point it just, you know, very quickly over the period of like three, four months, it just fell apart. Like I fell yeah. apart. 
you know, and that, that was when the, the benzos really came in, you know, mm-hmm. I was doing kind of opiates. I, I told you before, I was, you know, none of this was like fentanyl. None of this was like street shit. Like I was, I was buying, I was buying plants. Yeah, from, I was buying plants and seeds from, you know, the UK and they get sent over legally. And I, you know, I was making opium, like Dang. old school ass opium. And I took, took a little pride in that. You know, I remember when I, was in the hospital for withdrawals and the doctor was like so what have you been taking and i said uh and she i was like well you know i make these this these seeds and make tea out of them she was like some opium i was like yeah this is opium wow um dude you're the only person i've ever met (laughs) who has made their own opium yeah it's it's wild you know part of this part of this kind of plays into into what was so underlying my addiction i'm so scared of people you know and i was and so much of that's been kind of relieved. Um, but, you know, I was, you know, that fear over, like I was, I never went and bought drugs on a street corner unless I was, ah. unless I was with my friend, you know, mm-hmm. and he did it, <laughs> gotcha. you know, and I can always cower in the corner, you know, I never, you know, went down and, you know, and I, the benefits of that was what I, I knew what I was getting. I knew what the dosages were. I had the knowledge to manage it safely. You know, I never had an OD, mm. but but you know once i started getting into some of these benzos man that stuff is nasty and it had the effect of you you don't realize how high you are like you don't yeah. realize how impaired you are and that started to come through my work and that's that's mm. when it, things really started to become a problem um and things with my wife really started to become a problem you know i was, I was crazy i was crazy I, you know we live in a two-bedroom condo and i went through this like manic phase of wanting to do woodworking you know and i had a fucking miter saw on a table set up <laughs> in like a 1200 square foot condo with carpet Damn. <laughs> sawdust middle, everywhere. yeah sawdust everywhere middle of the <laughs> night like fucking candles burning and like oh I, man gosh. i was a crazy person i was not myself Dang. you know and this was this was shortly after getting married you know my wife and mm. i kind of barely made it through actually had a beautiful wedding but a couple days before it out you know it was a disastering drunk wreck um and you know yeah, you know and then kind of what you know the bottom that i hit was was rough but it was so convincing that now i'm truly grateful for the experience you know i see a lot of people come into recovery and they're not quite sure if they're addicts they're not quite sure if their lives are manageable you know i had i had kind of finished taking i had stopped taking all of the the you know sketchy shit i was taking because I, I knew i needed to get clean because i you know i had gotten fired from my externship which is going to send me back in my career and yeah. um you know i had lost my license to see patients and i was taking time off so i just said like I, i'm gonna take a leave of absence from school you know give myself some time to figure this out and i did i started to taper myself off and i eventually got off everything and then with my psychiatrist i did a, a just like a step taper of the clonopin that i was taking as prescribed and i did the taper the correct way um and i got such i was so crazy during those withdrawals it was the most miserable thing i've ever experienced and i didn't sleep for probably nine days straight um i was just feeling insane and in so much like spiritual agony and so confused and so incapable of like functioning and somewhere in there I found the willingness to stumble into a meeting. Um, it was the Wednesday night came to believe meeting at um, Cameron United Methodist Church. And then I stumbled in there. I didn't know what was going on. You know, I had 
it was the kind of, you know, and I remember telling my uh, father-in-law, who's also in recovery, hey, I'm going to a meeting. And he said, okay, get a sponsor. Um, and I went and I, you know, I stumbled in there. I barely remember anything that was said, but I felt so at home and so like, wow. You know, I had no idea what a meeting was going to be like. I really didn't. And, you know, I, I somehow, through all of my confusion, found the courage to, you know, I'm sure I looked like a newcomer. I must have been so shaky and fucking crazy looking and <laughs> dirty and um, confused and red and sweaty. Um, you know, you can see him coming in now. You're like, oh, hey. <laughs> I remember that. Um, and people were so warm and so sweet. You know, I still have pinned up on my wall the meeting list they gave me with all the numbers. And, you know, I got a sponsor. Um, you know, the, the guy who asked me, the guy who eventually asked to sponsor me, he gave me his, a business card with his number. And he said, I want you to call me tonight. I promise I won't answer. And then call me tomorrow. And we'll talk. And I called him right as soon as I got in the car. He didn't answer. I left him a voicemail. And I called him the next day and asked him, hey, what's, what's a sponsor? Um, and, you know, he told me and I asked him, hey, will you sponsor me? And he said yes and he gave me five things to do he said if you do these five things you will be okay the first was read step one out of the basic text call your sponsor every day um shoot now i'm gonna forget <laughs> <laughs> been a little while since i've had to do all these go to a meeting pray if that's your thing and don't pick up and if you do the first four the fifth don't pick up will be a lot easier mm. and I, I, like I started praying, you know, and I was like, I don't know, this shit's not gonna fucking work. Like, I was so miserable. I was, at, I've been in the hospital for nine days for seizures triggered off with, with by withdrawal. You know, I was in the ICU yeah. for five of those. Yeah. It's like, you know, and like, but man, that that gave me the gratefulness that I have for that bottom. Comes from how serious it was. You know, it was, it was like, I don't know. You know, there's a, there's a part of me that kind of feels like God lifted me up and saved me out of what could have very nearly killed me and been the end of my marriage and been the end, you know, yeah. like I might have lived, but I, you know, it was just enough pain and it was a lot of pain, but it was just the right amount of pain that I could go through it and it convinced me completely that I was powerless. Right? Like the feeling, I'll never forget the feeling I'll get of after months of suffering and trying to get clean and trying to figure out what's wrong with me and going to different doctors, of waking up in that hospital bed after the ambulance ride and just being like, oh, they're just going to take care of me now. This yeah. is it. Like it was such a relief mm -hmm. to know that I can just lie down and I, at that moment, I didn't really care. Like maybe I'm going to die. Maybe I'm going to live, but it's I don't have to try anymore I can just let go and like yeah. that's the feeling I tried to carry into early recovery like yeah, and, uh, it was difficult you know I you know seizures are, are, are no not joke, a walk in the park you know I, yeah. I still have back issues from but yeah. I couldn't I couldn't walk they had to teach me how to walk again it came back very quickly because I was you know pretty young and um, you know otherwise kind of healthy but you know, I, they sent me home with a walker and I was so weak. I remember trying to get, you know, this is like where the powerlessness and the unmanageability were so clear to me um, in a way that they aren't for a lot of newcomers who come in with like still got a job, you know, still functioning, still doing shit. Um, 
you know, our laundry machine was broken and we were waiting for it to get to repaired. And my wife was putting all the laundry in like these bags to, that you give to a company and then back comes the folded laundry. Very nice thing. Yeah. And they put them at our front door goes down a set of stairs and I couldn't get that. I was too weak to get that shit down the stairs. Damn. And like, I just remember breaking down crying on the stairs and in that pain, like finding a faith that like, I just got to keep doing like I was so fo it was it was kind of beautiful to be so focused on in the moment it gave me so much purpose to just figure out how to get this laundry bag down the stairs figure out how to go take a shower like figure out how to stand up and go from the couch to the you know figure out how to and more importantly figure out how to get my book figure out how to call my sponsor and then about a weekend I started hobbling to meetings you know taking ubers with my cane um and stumbling in you know i was going every day i was calling my sponsor you know i didn't do everything perfectly but yeah. you know i'm on you know i've worked my way through the steps i'm on 10 now and you know my experience with those has been great you know i really i was resistant you know i didn't i didn't really think the steps were gonna work um i was like there's no i don't think this seems like bullshit to me but i had enough there was i had enough pain and enough willingness just to do them anyway and I'm, I'm grateful that i had a very hardcore sponsor who like pushed me like these steps are the program and i really believe that now like this is a 12-step program um you know people I, I think see a lot of people who come in and they're very into the fellowship aspect or they're very into service and that's great but i think the core of it is the steps and you know i've now actually working on yourself doing yeah, that sort of self-work yeah. Yeah, man, I, I've, I've come to realize that too, man. The biggest thing I, I get out of recovery is, you know, working on, you know, myself, my self-awareness, yeah. understanding, you know, why I was doing what I was doing for so long. Yeah. Um, You know, it gets into the whole thing of like, dude, like for me, I used to just think, okay, well, when I quit drugs, everything will be oh, all right. Oh, yeah, I remember that. You yeah. Know, like that'll just be, everything will be fine. Drugs out of my system and exactly. I'll be all good again. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So I'm, I'm actually really, really glad you bring that up. Um, I'm grateful you bring that up, man, because it goes, you know, like this, this whole idea and concept of recovery, you know, whether it's, whether it's from substance abuse, physical injury, mental yeah. health, you know, like it goes into every aspect of our lives, yeah, man, like yeah. way deeper than just putting something down or quitting yeah. something. And it's, it took me so long to come to that understanding. Yeah. Um, yeah, like yeah. I had to change who I was, yeah. or I would go back to how I was. You know, you know, yeah. I was the the. You know, for me, you know, whatever you want to call it, alcoholism or addiction or kind of whatever that that spiritual malady is that ails you. The the drugs or the gambling or the drinking or the you know the sex or whatever you're replacing you're using to medicate that is a treatment but it's one that has consequences and it's one that mm -hmm. over time becomes very ineffective you know for me i'm one of those people that i think i might have killed myself at some point if i didn't have drugs to get me through some parts of my life yeah you know i might have mm. i don't know that i would have but it would have been really difficult right. you know so i don't think that the that those things necessarily themselves are like evil and i'm not really opposed to people enjoying them when they can do so safely or people use you know, I still take psychiatric medications now. I just do it very carefully and powerlessly. You know, I, rem yeah. I rem you know, I remind myself frequently 
that I am powerless to manage my own shit. You know, I always treated going to the psychiatrist or the doctor as like a trip to the vending machine, right? You know, I, <laughs> I knew what to say. I already knew what I, you know, even for like, like I needed antibiotics. Like I knew what antibiotics I wanted. I'm just here to like get you to dispense it to me. Mm. And now I go to a psychiatrist who, who knows my story, who I'm completely honest with. He's an expert in addiction. Mm. And, you know, I, I do take medications, you know, I take medications for ADHD and for anxiety. Um, there are certain ones that I can't take because they will be too, they will be dangerous for me with my situation with addiction. But, um, that shit's super important and it's important to, you know, be honest to, to a psychiatrist and a therapist and a doctor, man. Yeah. Um, and I've had to set a hard line with myself. Like the second that I take one extra pill, you know, or like two extra on these, just, you know, feeling a little extra tired today. That's a relapse. And that's how I've had to think about it. And it's, Mm. it's worked pretty well so far to to be able to set that because I recognize, you know, I'm kind of scared of, you know, that I could, you know, have access to these things and I could abuse them if I wanted to. But, you know, through working the steps to, and and keeping that framework around myself and the support, the desire to do that has been lifted, which is pretty awesome. Hell yeah, man. Well, dude, big ups to you, man. Props to you. Super yeah. proud of you, man. That's, Thank you, man. It's not an easy thing to do at all, man. Um, when I when I first got clean, I was uh, I was also taking an uh, anxiety medication. Um, it was a uh, non addictive one of the ones yeah. where, um, you know, I had to take it for like a month yeah, yeah. before it, any effects yeah, would kick in. No, but I I remember going through the same thing with my psychiatrist, like for the first time in my life just getting honest and being like, look, like, you know, I just, I'm fresh out of rehab. I just moved into a recovery house. You know, I struggle with mental health, but I'm an addict. So, you know, whatever it is that I have to do, I want, you know, I want to take care of my mental health, but I'm going to tell you every single time I see you, like, please keep in mind, I'm an addict. You know, if you give me something that, you know, if I take it, I immediately feel it right away. It's game over for me. Yeah, yeah, that's bad news. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember what, another the, what that was like going through that. Yeah, um, dude, thank you so much for sh- for sharing your story. Oh, man. of course, you got, man. A, you got a crazy powerful story, man. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely tons you know, of stuff in there I can relate yeah. to as well. My experience man. has been different, you know, and I'm always happy to share it because I, I feel like my experience, you know, all of ours are unique, right? Yeah. But mine, there's some kind of peculiar aspects of mine, you know. In totally. many ways, I was not a traditional addict or a traditional alcoholic, but. You know, you can come from all walks of life and it, it, you know, it got me, but I, you know, and I was a wreck, but I, you know, I don't know. I want to say too, you know, with where I'm at in the steps, I'm working on 10 now and, you know, in AA literature, they talk about the nine step promises that will come before you're halfway through. And I was so scared to do my eighth and ninth step and the amends. And I've now done almost all of them. And you know, the one I did last weekend was a lot less terrifying than the first one, but still pretty terrifying. But man, I feel so good. Like uh, I just, this, this spiritual wellness that people talked about, the awakening has really started to come for me. You know, I went to the beach with my wife for our second year anniversary uh, a couple weeks ago. And I remember just sitting congrats, on man. the, thank you. Congrats on the second anniversary. I remember just sitting on the beach, looking out at the sunset and I was content there. And I'd hated beaches my whole fucking life. They're sandy. They're boring. It's like fucking <laughs> birds and bugs and shit. And just self-centered. Like, I was so uncomfortable. And that was relieved. Mm. 
from me. You know, I was I was comfortable. I was happy for my wife. I was able to just enjoy the feet, the like sand in my feet, and like read my book, and like that's that's a fucking miracle. Because even before active addiction, like I'm kind of realizing there's so much more to this than just getting back to where I was before I got into using. You know. Oh yeah. And that's really exciting. Yeah, dude. That's awesome, man. Coming coming to uh, you know a place where you you can be um, you know just not you know content's not the right word but sometimes it can be you know like being okay with being yeah, like with serene. yourself yeah. and not needing yeah being yeah. serene not needing you know some sort of stimulation or outside factor to influence how you're feeling you know being okay with being in the moment yeah um, yeah you know dude for me when uh when i first so i st- i still struggle with this today right is yeah. is boredom right so i used to you know, I used to always say like, man, like boredom is a huge trigger for me. Like anytime yeah, I'm yeah. bored, you know, that's when my mind starts oh, to yeah. wander. Um, and it was, it was definitely a lot, uh, a lot worse, right. In in the first few months, um, you know, when I first got clean this, this time around, I, I like to say, you know, I like to say this is my first time in recovery. Um, uh, but it's not actually my first time getting clean. I was, yeah. I was clean for, uh, six months after yeah. I got a DWI. Um, but clean, I wasn't going through spite. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a great way to describe it. Yeah. I was clean through, through spite. Um, you know, I wasn't working any sort of program of recovery yeah. and, you know, and I, I saw, you know, I saw what happened because of that. You know, I, it was something I had to go through and something I had to learn before I could really, you know, really hit my bottom um, yeah, and, yeah. and be able to admit that I am powerless. Um, and that I can't, you know, find lasting, recovery yeah, yeah. on on spite yeah you know i'm doing it to prove a point yeah it's a good lesson <laughs> man it is like. yeah man but yeah so so i remember um you know first first couple of months when i when i got out of rehab and i was living in the recovery house um for the first first couple of weeks especially man before i had a job right yeah it was rough dude like yeah. i would just i'd be sitting in the house oh, i'd like too, yeah. i'd like binge watch we like, had nothing Netflix, to do movies, and just going crazy nothing yeah. to do waiting to hear back from these you know places that i applied for jobs um you know i wasn't in school because similar similar yeah, yeah. similarity in our story yeah. man i i took a semester off from yeah, school yeah um the best thing that i ever could have oh, done yeah dude. yeah i needed too. that shit um but yeah so you know i've been so used to this you know, go, go, go. Like I was on go mode 24 yeah, seven. Yeah. Um, and then here I am, you know, waiting for the next meeting. Um, you know, and I, and I remember going to multiple meetings every day, those first couple of weeks before I got a job. Yeah. Um, but you know, in between those meetings, it was, it was tough. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I remember being told by, uh, by, you know, by like an old time in, rec- in recovery, you know, like you may look at it as boredom now, um, but stick around long enough and you'll look at it as, as peace. Hmm. Um, and today I, like I, I love hearing stuff like yeah. that. And, and, and today it's something that I've, dude, I feel like I notice it more and more every day of my life. Like in times where, you know, previously I would be, you know, like losing my mind so bored, yeah, like just wanting yeah. to go out and do something and like go to a party, go out and cop, you know, like just go out and yeah. be around people that are using like something. So I'm not just sitting here wasting time. Yeah. Something to make me feel different. Exactly. You know? yeah. Some, to, something to make me feel different. Yep. Whereas today and, and more and more, especially recently, you know, I look at moments where, 
know, previously I would have said, oh, I'm so bored right now. Yeah. But I look at those moments and I think I've been thinking to myself like, wow, like I'm so calm and yeah, peaceful yeah, and man, okay. That's, that's just what I you feel know, to And I'll, I'll open up a book and I'll read yeah. and, you know, I'll, I'll I'm definitely guilty of uh, binge watching uh, yeah, shows yeah. and stuff. But, uh, but you know, like even, even in active addiction, even if I was watching a movie or trying to, well, trying to read a book, like yeah. I would still find stuff like that to be extremely boring. Yeah. Whereas yeah. today, like just something as simple as like cooking dinner and then sitting down and like watching a documentary. Yeah. Like, you know, what I used to look at as such a lame, boring night in, you know, yeah. now it's like, relaxing and almost meditative yeah um, yeah no i know what you mean man like i i also you know it sounds like we had a pretty similar start to recovery where i had nothing to do like my yeah. only job was to try to not get high oh yeah <laughs> like, same dude. try to not go crazy yeah. and like do my physical therapy and like kind of start to but like you know and then eventually it was going to be start taking classes again and you know and i i kind of like you i had this this urge because i was right up until the thing the point where everything fell apart i was working like crazy you know i was probably like 70 hour week seeing way too many patients really overworked and like that was and i just had this feeling like this fear like i gotta get back at it i gotta get back at it as soon as i can and like Mm -hmm. you know i'm glad glad that i had a sponsor who told me like look if you take if you take your time with this take an extra year in 10 years you're gonna look back on it and you're it's not gonna have set you back at all but if you push it if you push it now and you don't put your recovery first and you relapse you know this could be the turning point that took everything off the wheels for you and i listened to him you know and i took one class you know i had a full semester off and then i took one class the next semester and then i started so i don't you know then i got my little job as the assistant manager at the ups store and started that was a challenge on its own like i kind of had to learn to live again but yeah i remember like i remember it was probably six months in maybe a little earlier than that where i started to feel like i could play video games again and not not just play them as like uh try not to go crazy i need to do something to keep me active or my mind's gonna explode like play them and like them and get into them and care you know yeah. or like start to listen to music again and you know i'm an excellent guitarist i have been playing hey, for okay. i've been playing since i was six um you nice. know i've done some like semi-professional very small stuff you know and i always that's loved awesome, it and that's that's only only more recently has the love for that come back like yeah. like just that that feeling that i hadn't had in so long outside of being high at certain points and there's something when you're sober where it's deeper and realer too yeah. like picking up that guitar and strumming that note and feeling like the feeling of it and the you know, tension of the strings on your fingers and you know finding the right note to sing along with it and like the emotion that comes through and like connecting with it that stuff has all come back for me and i was afraid i'd lost that like when I was I was so broken emotionally that when I first got sober I was afraid that I'd lost the ability to feel anything um, other than just raw spiritual agony and mm. that stuff has all come back and okay. yeah, I feel, I'm feeling, feeling good man I really am like, <laughs> dude it, it fucking it's shows exciting. man it's so exciting dude yeah. and um dude that's so that actually brings me to, uh, to, to something that I wanted to say earlier right yeah. when when you were uh, sharing your story and 
you know, how you were talking about, you know, what it was like for you in active addiction, how, you know, you, you never went out and copped, right? Because you yeah. didn't want didn't to be around people, yeah. didn't want to deal with people. Dude, like, Nate, the way you speak and, like, carry yourself around other people, like, ever, ever since I met you, man, I just yeah. felt like I was drawn to you because of, like, how open and outgoing you seem to be. Thank you, man. I um, appreciate that. Of course, man, dude, and, and I mean that shit, man. And it, uh, you know, all this stuff you're sh- you're saying, man, it, it truly shows. Mm. And it's stuff like that, man. That's what keeps me like so grounded in my recovery, yeah, right? Because yeah. I can, you know, I can tell myself whatever I want. Um, you know, I can try and convince myself whatever I want, but until I actually see it in someone else's experience. Like so many times, man, that's the hope shot that I need. Yeah. Like that's yeah. what I need to draw upon when I'm, you know, when I'm going through a hard time. Yeah, um, man, that's that's a beautiful part of it. I got this guy. Um, he's a sponsor brother. My sponsor's away in Hawaii, so I'm temporary, temporarily sponsoring him. And right and on. it's so fulfilling. I love it when that dude calls me. I give him a little, give him his little reading assignments. <laughs> I mean, half times he doesn't, but but he's doing good, you know. And yeah. and we'll see. I try not to get, you know. Try not to get too attached. You know, I always hear if somebody else's recovery, you know, don't let someone else's recovery become more important to you than it is to them. But, but he's working it and he's like got a month and you see the improvements. Like he's going out to dinner with guys after he's chatting, he's sharing in meetings, like he's calling people and you can see him getting better and see him getting like, that's really beautiful. And, you know, it's sobering to see how, you know, I have never, I was talking to him and saying, you know, I have never seen somebody, and you know, my sponsor, people who've been around a lot longer than I have, have never seen somebody who has fully and thoroughly worked the program, meeting the steps, as relapsed. You know, mm-hmm. and that's been so true in my experience. You know, I had one of one of the guys who came in around the time that I came in. You know, he didn't work the steps. He rela- relapsed and disappeared, and eventually killed himself. And mm-hmm. It's so sad, man, you know, and it's It's kind of, it's tragic, you know, this gets some of us, but it's also, there's so much hope that nobody has to do that. And, you know, I don't blame him for any of his suffering, but I, you know, it's nice to know that it's a disease, it's serious, but it's, we really can recover from it. Totally. Like our, you know. So we we do actually have a have a disclaimer um, for the Sunday Recovery Podcast. Okay. Um, Got to throw this in there. Um, so here on the Sunday Recovery Podcast, you know, you may hear us talk about twelve step meetings, programs, sponsorship, um, but as, just as a disclaimer, we are not affiliated with any specific twelve step program. Um, we have no affiliation by any means. Um, so just got to put that out there. Okay. Yeah. For traditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. And I've yeah, been talking dude. about all different kinds of fellowships too. So. Of course. Yeah. But yeah, man, it's um, it's it's such an awesome thing to see, man. Um, and I I know exactly what you mean. Like, you know, seeing someone that has like one month clean, like, you know, talking about how they're feeling to someone who has like yeah, one day clean. Yeah. Um, like that's, I remember that's coming the shit in that like really with, keeps me coming back with a dude. day, and those people with like thirty days seem like yeah. oh wow, that guy's got it all figured yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Like, and then those guys <laughs> with three months, like they're all hyped about it and sharing their experience with the the two week people. Yep. And it's, that's it's beautiful. Yep. It really is. Hell yeah, dude, dude. So uh, so something I wanted to ask you about was uh, was you know we we briefly started talking about it earlier, but uh, but finding 
you know, that newfound faith in, mm. in a higher power, um, how you said you were kind of lost it for a little, um, but then, you know, looking back, you, you were praying throughout active addiction. Yeah. Um, what, you know, what was that journey like for you, you know, when you found recovery? Um, to then, you know, kind of refine your higher power. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's been an interesting journey. You know, I, I, and the way that I've moved forward with it has been very much guided by my sponsor, who is, who is very spiritual and really relies on his higher power, but he's not very theistic or dogmatic in any particular way. Okay. He doesn't talk about his God. He, hmm. he taught me to act as if, and, you know, he taught me the belief isn't a feeling it's a set you know faith and belief isn't a feeling it's a pattern of action mm. and that's how i've really approached it and at first it was you know i had enough there was this amber of belief in me right i felt like you know i had some you know during the seizure experiences and those seven days i was out you know not conscious and responsive in the hospital i had some pretty spiritually significant experiences and it's hard to even remember them or put words to them, but it, it felt like something, it, it just felt like something was felt going like something on with, was my, with my soul and some mm -hmm. sort of power reaching into me. And it's, uh, uh, you know, given, I almost was a little embarrassed to talk about it. Oh, dude, don't like, be embarrassed. I, yeah, uh, bro, I, I you know, really, strange. I have no, no way to explain it. I not, really don't not only do words. I believe in that, in that yeah. specifically, like very deeply, um, but I had, a, I had a really similar you know, just how you said you can't really explain it, dude. I had one of the craziest experiences of my entire life, um, my last overdose. Mm. Um, and, you know, to this day, I, I literally like get goosebumps. Like yeah. when I, when I think about it and, and when I tell the story and, and I don't talk about it that much. Um, but I was like, I was really close to, to going out. Yeah. Um, my last overdose. Um, and it was, it was, the wildest thing that I've ever experienced, right? And I've tripped acid, mushrooms, yeah. DMT, had a big psychedelic phase. Um, but this last time I overdosed, you know, I wasn't on any sort of psychedelics. Um, and, you know, I remember, you know, just sitting on the edge of my bed um, because I got this really weird feeling that I couldn't explain. And so I sat up in bed like I had been trying to go to sleep. Mm. thought that I was going to black out and that was it for the night. And I remember sitting up in bed and um, just started getting the most outrageous hallucinations. Yeah. Um, like the crazy, seeing the yeah. craziest hallucinations I've ever seen. Yeah. And, uh, and the whole time nowhere, like yeah. I hadn't taken any sort of yeah. psychedelic drug or hallucinogen at all. Um, and I remember thinking like, okay, like at first I was like kind of fucking with it. At yeah. first I was like, oh, like this is, like this is yeah. crazy like this is awesome i'm like so I've, I've never seen something like this yeah and uh especially not being on like acid right yeah yeah and then uh and then it kind of shifted and i started having a intense out of body experience mm. with which i have also experienced before on on psychedelics and you know very similar to uh to a, a psychedelic trip i've had in the past yeah, like yeah. i started rising up out of my body and, um, you know, so I just figured like, oh, I'm just like super high. Like I took yeah. this shit to the limit. Like this is what happens when you take like 13 yeah. pills. Like, all right. So I like start rising up and I'm looking down at myself, like lying in the bed. 
Um, and at this point I'm still like vibing with, and I'm like, Oh, like this is sick. Like this is crazy. You know, this is awesome. I'm trying to, I'm trying to trip like this again. Yeah, yeah. And I'm rising higher and higher and higher, looking down at myself in the bed. Um, and then it's, I literally can't explain it, but it got very, very different. Yeah. And it was no longer awesome. Yeah. It was no longer a quote unquote trip. Like it didn't feel like a trip at all anymore. It just felt real. And I remember getting closer and closer as I was rising up. And I remember feeling that I was about to bump into the ceiling, like the corner ceiling of my bedroom, staring down at myself. And I remember this overwhelming feeling that I was not only going to hit the corner Mm -hmm. of my bedroom ceiling, but I was going to go through it and keep going up and then then I wouldn't be able to see myself anymore because the roof of my house would be blocking and I remember tensing my entire body I I remember like not wanting to raise up anymore not wanting to hit the corner of my ceiling and I remember being deathly afraid that if I kept going up you know not being able to see my body anymore I don't I'm literally I'm like getting chills right now like explaining it to you because I I don't know how to describe it but i knew that it wasn't what i wanted in the moment yeah so with every ounce of strength in my body i tensed up like flexed every muscle in my body and i stopped rising up and i was like stuck um and then next thing you know like i'm surrounded by emts and police and i'm like vomiting bile and i'm like oh shit like i i od again Um, but I like all the other times that I OD'd never, never anything like that. Yeah. Um, and like, dude, like to this day, I, you know, I don't know for sure. And I'm not trying to sit here and say like one thing or the other, but I have a weird feeling that if I had just like been gone, going with it, if I had been like, Oh, like this is sick. This is awesome. I'm tripping. Like. Well, it's and so, if I kept it's so that like symbolically then, meaningful too, right? Yeah. Like, you know that the, the the shift from the denial. Yeah. To the this is my therapist coming out, but the shift from the <laughs> the shift from the denial to the acceptance of the reality and like this painful like whoa this isn't fun this exactly. isn't cool this is yeah. and it dude what uh what it. gives me the most uh um dude I I, I call it the heebie-jeebies yeah yeah so <laughs> you know about the heebie-jeebies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so what, dude, what gives me the most heebie-jeebies about it is I've, I've talked to a few people about this experience, and, and I've heard very, very similar yeah. experiences there's, there's re- from other people research who, have, it, who have overdosed. There's um, research on it. These like almost to a T describing yeah. what it was like to overdose. Man, I mean, I, it's, it's hard to even put what I felt in words because it was so mumbled jumbled up and it was over such a long period of time kind of in and out of seizures but there was there was this kind of this poignant sense you know of looking back on versions of like looking back and looking forward on versions of life that could have or could yet be and just Mm -hmm. feeling like i don't know that there was this poignant imagery and like this kind of it's so hard to remember but there's something so powerful to it of you know, focusing on me and my wife and the happiness that we used to have and the kind of beauty in that relationship. And there was this kind of giant cla- classical like Catholic harp 
you know, with like angels and shit and cherubs all over it. And, you know, as, as something about it being made of the strings of fate and, you know, the player of the harp was this kind of, you know, celestial being or something. And she was helping me and I was trying desperately to find the one strand of fate that would lead to the two of us and most importantly Sarah being able to be happy again you know I've done so much harm um, and this this in was in, in the hospital this, like while yeah, you were having yeah seizures. yeah wow. this was in you know and and kind of struggling over days to kind of find like you know some of the said you know some of the outcomes were maybe I die and leave her you know a widow maybe I mm. you know go back out and keep using and like flashes of what that would be like and then just before I woke up, there was this sense and this, this kind of woman or being had found the strand and was handing it to me. It kind of, as I came back out into the light and woke up, wow. it was really strange, but I kind of woke up with a, you know, and it was the sense, like the emotional sense of it during these days while I was trying to find this strand, whatever that kind of, meant i don't remember what sort of activity that entailed but i just remember this poignant emotional feeling that's intense of searching for it and it felt so hard you know i would get it and then follow it down a little bit and we'd become sad again or i'd relapse or you know something you know would happen and and i didn't quite know when i woke up what i didn't get to see the strand that i picked all the way through right but i was handed it and just knew it was the right one and like took it with me back into the light waking up with doctors in my face like asking all these annoying questions like do you know your name do you know where you are i'm like no man these questions are too hard (laughs) (laughs) holy shit yeah you know i haven't talked about that much but it's just i just i don't know what to make of that man it's so but i it's I think there's a lot more to the universe and the spiritual world than yeah. we're really capable of understanding. And that's kind of how I take my approach with my higher power is I, I try not to think too hard about it because I don't think it's an intellectual yeah. exercise, right? I think it's a spiritual exercise and that spirituality kind of, you can learn intellectually about it, but it's it's something deeper inside of you that you need to work on in a different way. I'm starting to to learn how to do that, you know, and on my 10 step and doing my prayers and, you know, I start to pray now. I really fucking mean it, you know, like I'll, I'll, you know, be nervous for an appointment or, you know, and I'll pray for God to help get me through it and he gets me through it. And I don't, you know, I don't think God's kind of specifically intervening. I'm like, God, get get me this job, but God can, whatever God is can help me. You know, and I have no freaking idea what God is. Like, uh, I really, I don't think that matters that much either. You know, it, it's yeah. like the intellectual part of me is still pretty sure there's no, there's no way there's a God. It just doesn't make sense. But like, <laughs> yeah, my, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, beh- I'm behaving as if, and it's working great. So yeah. but that's an evidence of its own kind, you know, that mm-hmm. at least the belief is powerful. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, uh, I'm, I'm glad you bring up that, uh, you know, thinking about it in, intellectually, right? And how that's like, you know, like at the end of the day, like, you know, I can sit here and try and think about, you know, like why, 
you know, have a whole existential crisis yeah. and, and think about, like, why am I here? Like, you know, what exactly is my higher power, right? Like, what does it look like? You know, like, yeah, yeah. how does it work the way it works? Um, and, you know, it's all of all of these things I'm, you know, still figuring out. Um, but just like you said, man, I don't I don't put time and spiritual energy towards trying to understand how or why. I put time and spiritual energy trying to, you know, like pay attention yeah, to like yeah. the signs, like yeah. the feeling that I get when I'm, you know, acting out on a character defect or the mm. feeling that I get when I'm trying to control a situation too much. And then something very subtle will happen and or I'll be having a conversation with someone and they'll say something that they would have no way of knowing about the yeah, yeah. some shit that's going on with me. Yeah, the but they say like, like just the exact same thing that I was yeah. kind of like trying to figure out. Um, and they explained to me how they figured it out. And I'm just like, how, how the fuck does this yeah, work? Like, yeah. um, you know, or I'll read something or I'll like see like just a, a phrase or like hear a, a phrase out of context. And it'll like directly apply to what I was just thinking about. Yeah, yeah. And I don't have to understand like how my higher power works, but I just have an overwhelming um, sense of belief and faith that whatever it is, yeah, it there's works. some sort of underlying energy yeah. that's connecting everything in my life. And for whatever reason, you know, it's guiding me in the right direction. If if I just pay attention. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's hard to pay attention It's the best way for me to describe it. It's yeah. definitely hard to pay attention yeah. sometimes, but... No, I agree, man. Like, way, as, as I'm building yeah. my relationship with that, that's of a very similar conception of it. If I can find... And I get so much peace on a day-to-day -day basis of, you know, today worrying about, you know, job stuff and, you know, what day am I going to start, blah, blah, blah. And, like, that's the kind of thing I was just freaked out about. And I was able to just... You know what? God will take care of it. Yeah. Up to me, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. No. And like that's that's something I was never able to do. Damn, that's amazing. I used to have to control everything. I yeah. used I used to uh, I used to look at uh, people who were like super religious and would like pray all the time and like say yeah. shit like, oh, like I'm turning it over to God or like oh, like yeah. God has a reason, yeah, God has a purpose. Dude, I used to look at that as like. The most bullshit, yeah. soft, you know, yeah, cop out yeah. way to go about living your life. I, I literally used to yeah, look at it yeah, as a too, cop out. And it would infuriate me because I would see people, you know, like living absurdly destructive lives and yeah. then just saying, like, oh, well, I'm praying and I'm, yeah, you know, yeah. God's going to take care of it. I know God will work everything out. Yeah. Um, and I used to be like, wow, like, what a, what a weak. You yeah. know, way to go about it. Like you can't just handle your shit. Yeah. Like I'm just gonna handle my shit. I don't need yeah. God. That's what I used to think, and that's how I used to look at it. But you know, from talking to people in recovery who, you know, have been able to say like, you know, at the end of the at the end of the day, like, you know, I don't have to be the one that's in control of everything. And when I'm able to come to terms with that, everything gets way easier. Yeah. Way easier. Yeah. And and so now I've kind of shifted where. You know, even even in my own situation, right? Like I don't, you know, I don't have to put a label or a name on my higher power. I just have to have faith that there's an underlying energy guiding me. Yeah. Rather than that being a weak cop out, 
what it really is is courage. And it's access so to cor- power that is so exactly important, right. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's the... a courageous thing to be able to have faith. Yeah, in something yeah, it does. It helps, you know, it can help you in so many ways that you would never yeah. realize. Yeah, um, man, I went through this this very intense, you know, so as part of my program, we apply to these externships and they're very competitive to get and do interviews. And for me, kind of it, this, this felt like the turning point for me psychological, like, am I going to be able to go be a psychologist mm. or am I going to have to go find another get career? In the, get in the extern, externship. Yeah, get in the externship. Yeah. And man, I was terrified I wasn't mm. going to get one. And the only way I got through it and got through it clean and sane was by just holding on and, and it felt like such a thin thread just holding on yeah. to god has my back you know this power has my back and even though my body and my mind are screaming at me this is not going to be okay you need to figure out a way to fix this you need to and the people in my life saying like help me work through do the things you can control do the application do the interviews and then after that let it go let it go and yeah. i was able under some duress to do that and yeah. and then having that go so well you know i ended up getting all the top ones in it i was yeah, sure i, I was fucked. i was sure when, i was fucked. i was so like preparing to like <laughs> go to you know learn to be a welder or something um shit, for real. yeah is uh is that so i you know clearly i don't i don't know anything about uh the psychology field or industry yeah. um well, actually, funny enough, I did take psychology one on one freshman year. Um, I did want to be a psych major when I yeah. when I first went to college, um, but then I then I switched public policy. Um, so is that like, uh, you know, like would you do you really think you would have gone after something else if you didn't get the externship? Um, no, I is probably, that, I probably that like wouldn't a have. Part? Like is yeah, so I would have had to, you know, without getting too into the weeds with it, I could have just. Like I had a backup option, I could have just stayed in the clinic that I was at for another year. Okay. It just, it just for me. You know, when I hit my bottom, I had just started an externship and I got fired and everything fell apart. So it felt like mm. this was the level in the video game I had never been able to beat before. Damn, you know, okay. and it felt so significant and like, you yeah. know, I was really half in because I, you know, for the first year I was seeing like one patient just kind of starting to you know i took one class and then was starting to build back up into it and like i was letting my identity shift back again to have some pride in myself and to be like i am a psychologist i'm going to be a psychologist instead of Mm -hmm. i'm going to you know do something else with my master's degree you know i still would have been able you know i kind of half kid about the welder thing but it it (laughs) crossed my mind i was like looking at how much people make you know um I just I wasn't sure I could take the failure again mm. and continue to. Dude, you know, I can, I can so, relate to that. It was so big for, for my me. ego to be able mm. to. I just needed that, yeah. my self esteem to get the sense of like, okay, I am doing the right path, and it felt like, you know, in that in that moment, I felt like God did take care of me, and I did get, you know, I I got it was the kind of experience I needed to build my faith, you know, mm. to to be that afraid and that self centered, and then be shown. You know, not that God like gave me the internships or whatever. I don't really know about that, but to be shown how wrong I was in my self-centered fear, mm. and you know, that made my faith so much stronger. You know, having gone through that experience of, of being so viscerally terrified it was going to go so bad, 
and it was going to be just such a disaster and then kind of getting this pat of like god coming up and saying see man i had you i had your back the whole time you needn't have worried hell yeah dude i can i can relate to that a lot man for me it was uh and this is gonna sound weird right because it's still dude it still sounds weird to me but for me that's that sort of feeling of like no i need to do this this is what i didn't complete this is what i didn't achieve you know now that i'm clean i need to finish this shit yeah um so for me yeah 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 yeah. for me it was graduating on time yeah so i took a full semester off um from from college from undergrad yeah yeah. um but i still graduated in in four years um and so what i what i ended up doing and uh, it was hell, man. Like I was, yeah, I bet. <laughs> busted your but, ass uh, and and like so many people were telling me, like, dude, like, why are you so set on, you know, graduating in 2022? And I was like, well, you know, the only way that I could explain it was, you know, if I didn't take a semester off due to my addiction, yeah, I would be graduating in 2022. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I'm not going to use it as an excuse to delay. I looked at it as like delaying my life. Yeah. Which is it sounds fucked up because it's not at all true. Yeah. Um, like if I had done a extra, like if I graduated in 2023 yeah. instead of. You know, I wouldn't have yeah, look delayed at me. my I'm life. Be seven years in grad school by the time I'm done, after including the year off. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I know a lot of people that are, you know, grad school, med school, law school. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, that's a lot of school. It just takes but, um, forever. But yeah, so I, I took that semester off. Then I did two winter classes. Yeah. Then I did a loaded, wow. loaded uh, last semester. Yeah. Um, while I was living at a recovery Intense, house. Man. Living at a recovery house in Cambridge, Maryland, commuting all the way to College Park, Maryland wow. for classes and still working 40 hour weeks yeah. um, on like I would work. I like finesse my schedule. So I had class Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then I would go back to Cambridge Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I would work yeah. at least eight hours each of those days. Yeah. Um, and I on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, I would usually work like 10 hour shifts. Hmm. Yeah. And it was, um, dude, I got burnt out. I got burnt out really quick and it and I really started to see it um and then it was it was like the biggest um biggest change um for me like once I finally like got the degree and like you know it's like took like a month where I didn't work before I got my new job out here in Arlington and that month was like it was almost like a reset like okay like you know like I need to prioritize my recovery the same way I did during my first month and yeah. dude I, i'm i'm glad we get on this topic as well because i've heard uh you know i've heard from a lot of people you know like how how easy it is to get complacent and i remember yeah. when i when i first got clean like seeing someone like you know up there at, a, at like a two or three year anniversary talking about how complacent they've been and i remember yeah. thinking like dude that's bullshit like i could never get complacent like this yeah, is the yeah, most, yeah. you know i'm clean now like i don't yeah. you know, i'm not you know, I don't wake up in the morning and have to, you know, search around my whole room for yeah. a quarter stick of Xanax anymore. Like, why would I ever get complacent on this new yeah. life? Yeah, and then once you get to, you Dude. know, almost two years, we got about the same amount of time. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, bro. This this past year, um, there's been moments. There's been moments this past year that have been harder than my first year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it makes no sense to me, but I've heard other people that say the same shit, and I'm like, yeah, I can relate. Yeah, I um, think my my first 
three months of my second year were some of the, the kind of worst. Oh, me too. Yeah, right I after got, that one year right celebration, one year, I got complacent. Yeah. I dude, that was, was it was tough. Back, you know, and what fixed it for me? I've become like I always thought my sponsor was the AA towel man with his fucking <laughs> step, 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 steps. But man, getting through nine, yeah. I, it was like it, they're not kidding. Halfway through nine you start to feel better and like now i consistently feel like you know since getting through that for the past several months something has changed on a really like deep Mm. level and it doesn't feel like it's gonna oh yeah but you know i even then i gotta remember it's because i did this i'm doing the steps and i keep keep up with my 10 step every night and i'm gonna do 11 and 12 and keep up with those every day you know that's that's the key it's it's the steps it's not just hanging out with people it's not just reading the books it's not yeah. just you know going out to coffee it's not just the meetings it's the steps yeah man yeah yeah dude it's it's awesome to hear that man um it's something i like i like to ask people is like you know have have you ever felt yourself like getting complacent mm. and what did you do about it and yeah. and i love the way you put that man um dude for me i noticed it honestly right around that same time um because so right when I moved out here to this area, um, it was like a month later that I celebrated my yeah. first year. Um, and I ended up going back to the Eastern Shore of Maryland to celebrate yeah, it because yeah. I didn't have as big of a network out here in Virginia. Yeah. Yet. So, you know, I and and honestly, that was my ego. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, dude. you want to see it all really the was. I wanted, party. <laughs> yeah, man, I wanted to, you know, celebrate my one year anniversary with all my guys that I lived in the recovery house for 10 and a half yeah. months when it's, you know, my sponsor and my sponsee brothers, my whole network was over there. Yeah. Um, it's understandable though. Yeah. And, and everyone, everyone told me like, Oh yeah, of course, you know, yeah. you, you've been living here for a month. Of course you're going to go back, you know, like where your recovery network is and, and celebrate there. And it was at my old home group. You know, I wasn't really yeah. in a home group established out here. Um, but dude, I remember thinking to myself that people in this area were going to be like, yo, like, is Barnes capping? Like, <laughs> does he really have one year clean? Like, yeah. why isn't he celebrating out here? Why is he, you know, uh, celebrating and going yeah, all the way yeah. over to the Eastern Shore? Like, you know, like, what is, what's up with that? Like, does he really have a year? Which is like the most yeah, ridiculous, yeah. egotistical yeah. Um, thing, yeah, thing to I mean, share. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and I remember, man, you know, like those, those uh, few months af- after I celebrated my first year, I was like, oh, I think I got something going on over here. I was going to like one meeting a week. Yeah. You know, I was like, I was talking to a couple of, I was, I always have maintained my network, um, yeah. which is like, for me, like I'm a goner if I don't do that, yeah. dude. Like yeah. if, I don't, if I don't pick up the phone and, and stay in touch with people you know, both in and, and out of recovery, you know, people who are addicts, people who aren't addicts, but support me. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, I got to maintain the relationships so in my life. When I start to feel funky, I just want to drift away from Oh, everybody. me too, man. So I, I have to remind yeah. myself, like, to, to pick up the phone and, you know, call someone who I haven't talked to in a yeah, little while and, yeah. and keep those connections good. Um, and then, dude, for me, man, just how you talked about, uh, you know, diving into the steps for me, it was diving right into the steps and also uh, getting involved in service. Yeah. Um, starting to, you know, go speak at rehabs and detoxes. Yeah, and, yeah. Dude, I'll never forget the first, yeah, I first lo- time. I love doing that. Oh, dude, I fucking love it. I don't, I don't know, like, 
what about it? it well, I mean, I know what it is about yeah. it. Like, it brings me right back to what it was like yeah, when I was you in see rehab. those guys, man. And, uh, yeah. and I'm, I'm so grateful for, you know, the experience of that and also seeing people in rehab yeah. knowing, like, they have some hope. Like, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. And, like, seeing how much those guys appreciate it and, like, yeah. remembering what it felt like for me to hear from those guys who had some time. Exactly. There's something especially about the guys who had, like, one year, six months, two years yeah. that seemed like, the guys who had 20, 25, 30 years, it's like... They were all hard asses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When it's also like, this just seems <laughs> so far away. I can't even imagine what that's like. You yeah. Know? So far away. Oh, I can from, relate to that too. You know, I, th- I think there's something about like, well, that guy's got two years. Like, that seems like maybe I could get two yeah. years. That, that's a little more easy to take yeah. in and internalize than like, maybe I could get 35 years someday. Yeah. It's like, well, maybe I could, you know, yeah. if I, I, I could be like that guy if I get another six months, you yeah. know? When uh when I, when I first got clean, I I uh I I used to always say like man I love one year anniversaries like they're my favorite yeah. anniversaries to go to for that exact reason yeah like if I see someone up there who I know has a year celebrating a year yeah. looking good talking yeah. good I'm like oh like I could do that shit yeah if they can yeah. do it I can do it yeah those are the but ones a thirty year anniversary yeah, you're like all right buddy got another one congratulations <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing, bro. It really is. But yeah, dude, uh, you know, I'll never forget that feeling, man. Walking out of uh, walking out of detox after I spoke for the first time yeah. in the detox and just thinking. Yeah, I did myself, that a couple like, times with you. I loved it, dude. It's just so grateful for it, man. Yeah. And and uh, you know, having a someone in in a in a treatment center come up to me after I speak and you know just tell me like you know tell me about yeah. what was going on with them yeah, and then man. how they you know volunteered to go to rehab and. Yeah. Dude, like seeing the little bit of hope that someone has when yeah, they admit they're powerless and they go really to treatment, is. seeing that they have that hope in themselves, man, it, it helps me to believe in myself yeah. a little bit more. It gives me so much gratitude. You know, part yeah. of my 10 step is I do this gratitude list. And, you know, some days I kind of bullshit it, but I do it every day. Um, <laughs> yeah. And some days, man, I'm so grateful for, you know, like even, you know, going back to the steps briefly. I shared at the meeting last night, you know, my grandpa passed away a couple days ago and Mm -hmm. I got to do, you know, I just feel so grateful. You know, it's okay that he passed away. It is. He was, you know, it was his time to go. And I'm just so grateful that he got to see me clean multiple times. You know, I got to be a good grandson. I did my direct amends with him. You know, I, I had nothing left to say, you know, I said everything I needed to. There's nothing left undone with him. And Mm. I can process that loss, you know, and, just be grateful for how much of a presence he was in my life and like man i you know like writing down those little things like my cat is adorable cats and like i'll just like i'll tear <laughs> up being like i fucking love these cats man like they're so cute and they love me so much and they trust me and they come sit on me like munch always comes bothers me while i'm trying to do my meditation you have a cat named munch yeah that's amazing dude. yeah sonny awesome. and munch from law and order svu <laughs> oh There's right on ones. yeah yeah and like man like my wife and i just like the home that i you know and things like i like this carpet i have this carpet you know the, the, i never cared about any of that shit when i was yeah. using i just wanted more yeah. um and now it's like i have this beautiful it's, it's beautiful amazing around me it's just so amazing to hear yeah. that, man, and and I really am sorry to to hear about your grandpa. Yeah, that's okay. Thank it's, you. It's it's a you. blessing, man, and and hearing you say all that, man, it gives me gives me a lot of inspiration, man. Mm. It's it's something, uh, 
you know, I've, I hear, you know, I hear people in recovery talk about uh, reservations. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that I, you know, I've kind of had to let go of a lot of the reservations yeah, I had. Yeah. And for me, dude, a big one is uh, losing a family member. Yeah. Um, you know, like my first couple months and I would hear someone talk about reservations. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? What's a reservation? They'd be like, what's something that could happen that you would tell yourself? Like, oh, I'm using if this yeah, happens. Yeah. Um, and you know, right from the first moment that was explained to me, instantly I latched on to like, if anyone in my family passes away, that's it. I'm going to get high. That's all I've ever known. It's what I'm going to do. Um, but like, that's just no longer what I think anymore because of what I've seen in recovery and the people I know in recovery. I know people in recovery who have gone through anything I could have possibly imagined that I would have used as an excuse to get high. And I know people have gone through it clean. Yeah. Um, so, man, I know today, no matter what, I don't have to use. So yeah. I really, I yeah. really want to say thank you, man. Because it's, yeah. no it's hearing, you know, it's hearing the strength from other, other recovering yeah. addicts. That you know, and a part of that strength that, that has come to me has been through, see, like you said, seeing other people yeah. in recovery. You know, I, I know a guy who I really respect is something like 37 years of recovery is, He's like in his 60s and his wife died of cancer, mm. very young, beautiful woman. Um, and he went through it. From, you know, I got to watch this guy talking to him every week a couple times. He went through it with the most astonishing grace. Mm. And he is genuinely okay now, you know. Well, all the way in a year, he's okay. And he's, he's, yeah. he's happy and he's living and he felt the feelings and like just... It's just amazing that people can go through a loss like yeah, that with such equanimity is. and such grace and such, you know, I don't even know. It, it's it's hard to even put words to it, but it's amazing. Like, and it's it's not, you know, and the psychologist in me was looking at, like, it's not denial. He's not just shoving the feelings down. He's just, he's gotten himself through recovery and his spiritual practice is to a point where he can handle that kind of thing with that perfect equanimity mm. you know through all of the horrible feelings that come up yeah you know without drinking and that's pretty that's pretty special it's a very powerful thing man yeah. totally is totally is hell yeah dude yeah. how we looking been going for 128 yeah, minutes close to a two, hour and two part hour and here <laughs> oh no not a not 128 hour and 28 minutes. Oh, okay time flies dude yeah 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 it was a good conversation yeah man hell yeah Dude, I uh, I was thinking, um, you want Zen? Uh, no, it's okay. <laughs> I have to have these little. I do, how much nicotine did I got? Uh, six milligrams nicotine. Oh yeah, I'll take one of those. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, man, really trying to trying to cut back. Yeah, I use a little. Trying to cut back and quit vaping, man. I got the little. Uh, the lozenge. the lozenge. Yeah, those are I do the I do the fours, but I put two of them in. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, man, dude, it's uh, it's been yeah. Let me pull it up. It's been a long time since I smoked a cigarette, man. Dude, it's been three hundred and nine days nice, since man. I smoked a cigarette. Yeah, it's fucking mind blowing, dude. I was smoking a pack of Newports a yeah, day yeah, when yeah. I got mine out of rehab. Mine was always man. a vaping. Yeah, yeah, I, I still vape. Um, I'm guilty of that, but yeah. I gotta, you know, I'm trying to stick to the Zen pouches, yeah. cut back on the vaping, wean off of these. Um. But you know how it goes. You know I how it know, goes. I know. And Newports, dude. I, can't. I know. I'm pretty happy. Like, I, 
Did you ever smoke cigarettes? No, I never smoked cigarettes. It was all vaping. It was gotcha. stupid. But yeah. one day I just kind of decided I think I'd like to try vaping, and then boom. Yeah, you know? yeah dude. I so the the first time I ever uh, used nicotine was was a vape. It was a jewel in yeah. high school. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I heard it said that uh, my generation, you know, my generation had the potential to be the first generation not addicted to nicotine. Yeah. But then they put it in a flash drive that tastes like cotton candy. So yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> they got us there. But yeah, so I, uh, I, just, I got definitely got addicted to nicotine and early on in high school with the Juul. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't even until, uh, it wasn't until college that I started smoking cigs. Yeah. And even in college, I wasn't smoking cigarettes every day. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I went to rehab, <laughs> like at rehab, like they wouldn't let us have vapes. Um, yeah, yeah. and so they would like, you know, like, but they would get us cigarettes and stuff. Yeah. So I remember being like, like just smoking Newports in re in rehab. Yeah. And then, then I moved into the recovery house and every guy at the recovery house smoked cigarettes. Yeah. I'm, I'm um, glad I never got into the, the cigarettes. Cause it seems yeah. like I see guys who struggle like struggle from going to cigarettes to vaping and it's like so much like the nicotine and the, yeah. you know all the shit you get yeah. from something about the cigarettes it's just it's so yeah. hard to give up dude i uh i so i was i was bad on vaping for a long time and then i went back to cigarettes <laughs> this is how this is how my shit was right <laughs> so i was bad on vaping and i went back to cigarettes and i used it as a way to try and quit vaping yeah because with the vape like you can just rip that shit 24-7. Oh, yeah, like that if was you're a at work, me, man. If you're I'd in the like, office, just go to the bathroom. <sighs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, you you know, you can do it inside. No yeah. one cares. Um, whereas, like, you know, like, it's going to be an issue if I'm smoking a Newport in the middle yeah, of my yeah. office, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so they're going to be like, yo, like, take that shit outside. Like, can't just go to the bathroom, like, with the with the yeah. jewel or the views. So I was like, yo, I'm, I'm smoking cigarettes and it, you know, it's helping me cut back on my overall nicotine intake. Yeah. But then I was just smoking a pack of Newports. And yeah. Man, there's no way that's any better. Yeah. Um, that's funny. But man. yeah, I, d I wasn't able to quit cigarettes until I, <laughs> until I moved out the recovery house, dude. <laughs> it was so hard, bro. I remember I tried to quit so many yeah, times. Yeah, I've been with all those guys smoking around you. Oh, uh, dude, it was brutal. I remember trying to quit so many times. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to call him out because uh, that's my brother and I love him. But shout out to Bobby. But, because uh, he'll tell you, bro. He'll, ba he'll, ba yeah. he'll back up the story, bro. I remember trying to quit cigarettes so many times, man. And it'd be early in the morning. I'd go out to the front porch drinking my coffee. This fool Bobby would come out and he'd just be like, what's up, man? You want to relapse and give me a new port? Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, nah, man. I'm like, yo, I, I quit cigarettes, man. He'd be like, all right, cool. And then he'd just sit there smoking his new port, but he would like leave one out of the pack yeah, and just yeah. like push it towards me a little bit, oh like God, like yeah. messing around with yeah. me. Like he wasn't doing it intentionally yeah. or anything like that. But bro, I would cave every time. Bro. I would yeah, cave I every know, time. I know. And then go to Wawa, pack yeah. of cigarettes. I know. Um, okay, but you know. The, the laws and just all these, you know, sometimes I just get kind of, I just fucking need one sometimes. Yeah. And I've kind of just accepted that, like, you know, I'm working on it, but I, I take like one or two, you know, maybe one a yeah. day or something. Yeah, the lozenge, I feel like the lozenge uh, uh, kind of towards the end of the day they, if I'm like feeling, I don't know. Yeah. They got to be better than the Zen. I feel yeah. like the Zen is tearing up the gums. Like, tobacco, tobacco in there? Or no, the, the Zen is, uh, yeah, it's artificial. It oh, does okay. not contain tobacco. It's huh. uh, synthetic nicotine. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. It's, you know, it's, I mean, I enjoy it. It's way better than a uh, dip. 
Yeah, I used is dip. gnarly, man. <laughs> it's so gnarly, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I, I used to dip shit, for a yeah. little bit and and spit, and then it was it was just gross. So yeah. like with the Zen, you don't have to spit, you know, no tobacco. It's nice, but yeah. definitely uh, definitely something I'm trying to quit yeah. too for sure. So do we do like a little wrap up or? Yeah, man. Yeah, we can we can totally wrap things up. Um, is is there anything else that you wanted uh, to dive into? Any, anything we didn't get to to discuss? I don't know, man. I feel like that was a pretty good. It was, it was good to get into some of the spirituality aspects. Yeah. Uh, I could talk about that shit all day. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I, re- I really appreciate you coming on, Nate. Yeah, it's, man. It's it was great. great. It was a really it's good conversation. Great I really enjoyed it. Oh, I was yeah. nervous. I was gonna be kind of stilted, but it just uh, oh, dude, a good interview. It, it just kind of comes out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right. Well, that's that's a great way to wrap it up, man. Appreciate you coming out, and I yeah, uh, want to say so thanks much for asking me. Of course, man. I want to say thanks to everyone who uh, tuned in this week. Um, hope everyone has a great week. Have a blessed day. Do something good for yourself. Get outside once this uh, this smoke goes away. Yeah, man. The smoke <laughs> is bonkers, dude. It's, it's absurd. I know. My eyes are like so dry. Yeah, dude. Walking outside smelling like a bonfire. Yeah. I was like, what the hell is burning? Like, yeah. you seen the pics from uh, New York? Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, ah. it's like looking like Dune. Yeah. yeah crazy. Yeah. Crazy. They said it was the, uh, the Medellin filter. The oh, Narcos really? filter, you know what I'm oh, talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the tent, the yeah, yeah, tent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, all right, yeah, man, we're so, in Mexico filter. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Hey, so when it when it clears up out there, get outside, do something nice for yourself, enjoy a good day, and uh, just tell yourself you're worth it, man. You know, recovery is is every every yeah, it can be, be everything in life. Man. It's beautiful. You know, man. just it's way more than just drugs. So yeah, you know, take it from Nate. Yeah, who's doing man, big things out here? It's been good. It's been good. <laughs> All right, we'll catch you guys next Sunday. Thanks again, buddy.